Amen. Happy Easter today, glorious Resurrection Sunday today. So glad to have you with us today, to have your families joining with you as well. I know maybe for some it's been a little while, so we want to welcome you so much back to the family at Real Life. We're so enjoying this opportunity from our Good Friday service and anticipating just this wonderful experience that we are wanting to share with you this morning. How wonderful it is for Debbie and I to share our lives with you over these last years and to know it's another opportunity as the pages continue to turn that we have an opportunity to look at the wonderful message of the gospel and this wonderful story of Easter. So thanks for our worship team and our choir this morning just to be able to give us an opportunity to let our praise out and to sing the wondrous joys of all that God is for us. For those of you that are watching online with us this morning, maybe you weren't able to be in church today, we're glad today to be able to welcome you as part of our real life family to know that you are blessed and we are glad to have you as well this morning. I want to share uh, this Easter story from the very beginning. I want to take us all the way back to the beginning this morning. The Bible tells us this in Genesis chapter 1. How many know that's all the way back at the beginning, right? In Genesis chapter 1, we read this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. I want you to think about that with me. We're going to come back to that. The earth was formless and empty and darkness. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. You know, if there's anything more that Resurrection Sunday helps us to understand as we unveil the story is that the miraculous took place as the morning light was being dawned upon all humanity. We go from the resurrection scene all the way back to the beginning where God recognized that darkness would not be the driving force for humanity, but it would be the lights. You know, we have lived in Erie for uh, a long time and have recognized the idea of our beautiful sunsets. In fact, if you've probably paid attention, I think over this last week, I know that we've had a lot of them, but how many have remembered in these last couple of days these red lights that have filled our sky these evenings that have been more frequent and seemingly more amazing than ever? And as much as we look forward to maybe that, that red sky at night, we realize that we have this hunger and this anticipation for the morning light. To know that there is the darkness that fills our night, but this hope and this anticipation that in those shortened hours, that light is going to dawn on a brand new day. When we think about the Easter story, the final days of the Passion Week certainly were dark. And really to the very morning of the first Resurrection Sunday, that the story for us is very somber, it's very thought-provoking. There's really not a lot of celebration from Good Friday, even to the early morning of the resurrection. When we hear the story, we know that Jesus was betrayed by one of his own for 30 pieces of silver. That one disciple who seemed to be bigger and stronger than the rest and simply declared that, that even if everyone deny you, Jesus, I will never deny you. And yet Jesus knew in his heart that within that night that Peter would have denied Jesus three times. We walk through on our own Good Friday service the story of the crucifixion. Maybe too harsh and too gory for us to tell it even on a morning like this, to think of the pain and the agony that our Christ suffered on his way to Golgotha. And then at the end of the crucifixion, the story tells us that the disciples, his closest followers, really ultimately deserted him. They ran and they hid themselves. They locked the door. And it was Peter again who said that, I think I'm just going to go back to fishing. That this one fisherman at one time who fished 
for fish, heard a radical call in his life to walk away from his nets and to become a fisher of men. And for these last three years, to see the miraculous being unfolded before his very eyes, that that people that couldn't walk would pick up and begin to run and leap, those who were blinded, to see their sight restored, to see even the dead brought back to life. But in this somber moment of Easter, we recognize that even Peter declared, I think this is the end. I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to fish for fish. What a darkened time, even to the very beginnings of our Easter resurrection morning. John writes it this way, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. I want you to see those words on the screen with me this morning. You see, even the hope of our resurrection morning, the story still prevails to us, the story of Good Friday and the horror of the Passion Week, that it was still on this Easter morning, while it was still dark, Mary went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. But friends, it's wonderful that the story doesn't stop there, amen? Because a new day was about to dawn, not just a physical daylight on that first Resurrection Sunday, but a spiritual awakening that has now revolutionized our world from that very morning until today. Isn't it so good for us to sing this morning? Because he lives, I can face not only tomorrow, but I have hope for my today as well. How many say amen with me in the church today as well? You see, a new day was beginning to dawn. The horror of the Good Friday and the Passion Week experience, although it started out very dark, soon daybreak was about to shed its light on all of humanity. The change from Good Friday to Easter Sunday was a change from eternal darkness to eternal life. In John chapter 8, Jesus was surrounded by the leading spiritual religious leaders of the day. They were known as the Pharisees. And they went from place to place with Jesus, trying to disavow his teaching and his words. Whatever Jesus would present, they would try to counterpoint that. They would try to twist his words or find in some way to rile the people against him. And maybe in one of the most powerful moments in Scripture, and in the greatest opportunity of one of these debates, John records it for us in chapter 8, where he writes this. And Jesus then spoke to the people and said this, I am the light of the world. I want you to think about that in reference to our Easter Passion Week, and to this moment where everything was dark. Even to this very morning when Mary went to the tomb, early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus was prophesying to us in John chapter 8, although darkness might come through the night, hallelujah, but glorious light is going to shine in the morning. And Jesus wanted you and I to be fully aware, not only who is the light, but what the source of our eternal life is is. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, listen, will what? What does it say? Will never, can everybody say that word with me this morning? Will never, oh come on, say it like an Easter Sunday morning with me this morning. Will, will never, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of eternity with them. Man, that's wonderful news for you and I today. You see, in Genesis chapter 1, we read when the world was created that it was darkness that filled the earth. This earth was formless and void. You see, darkness only reveals that there is nothing to draw us to it. 
that it is lifeless, that it is formless, that it is void, that it is empty. And that's the passion and the pursuit we recognize of us looking to darkness. But only when light is revealed does life come alive to you and I. And Jesus was giving us a prophetic foretaste that one day that his church, that his people would seem to be eternally cloaked in darkness. It seems as if the crucifixion by far would have ended it all, that it would just be perpetual nighttime and darkness, that even when they would go to the tomb, they would still be enveloped in darkness. But in that moment, we recognize that this dawn, that this new life, was about to break forth and the light of heaven was going to be revealed for all eternity. That the light had truly come and pushes back darkness from that day until today. Somebody say yes with me this morning. You see, it seems like our world is ever increasing in darkness every day, every year, by every year. We realize that there is unrest in our political system we hear the, the horror and the tragedy of school shootings, the economic stability that, that brings fear into a lot of us today. We are finding anger and rage uh, enveloping people, and we scratch our heads and we wonder just what is going on. Fear continues to grip not only our nation, but the world you know, as a little bit of a, a sidelight that, that we see the growing tensions around the world today. And we recognize of, of partnerships. And for those of you that maybe haven't followed biblical prophecy, there have been a lot of signs that point to and give us direction towards the end times. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that today. But to recognize the Bible that, that we've talked about for years would recognize a partnership of what they prophesied thousands of years ago would be the lands that we know today as Russia and China. And you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we might have seen what the Bible would talk about, a great bear that would represent Russia. And we've long had a, a, a challenging relationship with that nation but only in these last days and year are now we seeing the power of China, of which the Bible talks about another power rising out of the east that will promote these end days in which we are living. Can I tell you, we are living in the darkened times of Scripture that one day are going to promote. The Bible says when you don't know what else to do, what? Look up for your redemption, your hope is drawing nigh. Can I tell you today, our world is fastly approaching what, Bible, what the Bible predicted, what the Bible prophesied would lead us into end times dark and scary. Me, we, we may want to shout today as people of the 21st century that we are people of enlightenment. Pastor Jim, we have wisdom and technology and we have ways of advancement today that have been unlike any other economic or social group in all of the world, but it seems that with all of that, there is still more difficulty and chaos now than the previous decades or centuries past. And I guess maybe even the more difficult pill to swallow for us today is to realize that it's not just our world that is dark, but it is the people of this world that have made it so as well. Can I take and maybe be so bold as to say that it's not even so much them as much as it can be us? Do you mind if I get a little more personal today? Or maybe to recognize it's even in me. You know, it's so easy to look at the darkness all around us and be void to recognize of the darkness that still lives within me. You see, we recognize how dark the things that we might be capable of. In John chapter 3, the Bible tells us that one of these Pharisees, one of these learned men of Israel by the name of Nicodemus, came to Jesus. He knew every line of the law. He would have never missed an Easter Sunday morning service. He did everything that he was supposed to do, and yet we recognize in a connection in a relationship with Christ, he was still blind. 
He knew everything. He could read everything. He could tell you all about it. But yet spiritually, he was still blind. And he came to Jesus, the Bible says, ironically, when? At night. Under the cloak of darkness. As darkness ruled the earth, was formless and void. This darkness of even the early resurrection Sunday morning, Mary went to the tomb while it was still dark. We recognize that as much as we would like to blame everyone else, the sad truth is that there is still some darkened places in us as well. You see, Jesus spoke of these type of followers that though seeing, they do not see, and hearing, they do not hear, nor neither do they understand. See, I guess my hope for you this morning is that you're just not listening to my words today, that this is not just another Easter Sunday morning to somehow check off the box, but to reckon, but still being blind, about allowing darkness to still have place in my heart to recognize that the light of the gospel has come and the story must become real into my life. You see, Jesus also pronounced this judgment in this moment. He said, the light, speaking of himself, the light has come into the world and people have loved the darkness rather than the light. Because their works were evil. Wow, how telling. Jesus said, although the light has been made available, although the light has come, that for a lot of us, we would rather be people of the darkness rather than people of the light. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You say, Pastor, how, how can that be true on Easter Sunday? I mean, look around Every church in America is packed today on Easter Sunday. Well, I guess what I would say to all of you and all that are in churches this morning, why don't you check back in with us next week? Oh, we love the light. We love the light on Easter Sunday morning. But you see, we are seeing without really seeing. We are hearing without really hearing or understand. Why? Because our ways are dark. Our ways are evil. We don't want to admit to it. We don't want to go down that road very far. But what Easter does, what it brings into focus, is not only do we live in darkness, but as Jesus said, we love the darkness. Why? Because our ways are wicked and evil. It pushes against the story that Jesus is the light. I'm going to explain that to you a little further in just a moment. As the light becomes revelation to us, we are caught then with making a decision. That's what Easter makes alive to you and I. It's far than more than just a story. It's an opportunity. It's a revelation for you and I. You see, it's because in our natural state, we find that darkness and evil, how quickly it wants to leap out. Let me give you just a little illustration or story about that. Maybe it relates more to the guys here today, or maybe even more to guys that have trucks. How many guys that have trucks? Let me hear from you today. Come on, give me a big whoo. Yeah, yeah, just, just three of us, that's all. I, come on, I see, a lot, I see a lot of trucks in our parking lots. I have a truck, and oftentimes when Debbie and I are out, we'll go maybe to a restaurant or wherever we're heading, and we pull into the parking lot, and there are cars everywhere, and I'll drive by the row, and I'll find that there are two cars, and there is a space in the middle. Now, just about six or seven spaces down, there's all kinds of parking spots, but you know what a guy says with a big truck? I'll bet you I could put my truck in between those two cars in that really tight space. Now, come on, guys, give it up if you're with me now, right? Am I not the only one, am I? 
And I'll start to go by and get my truck framed to put it into reverse to do that backup job. And instantly, my wife goes crazy. Right? Now, now I have all the ladies on board, right? Why would you do something like that when there are all kinds of open parking spaces just down the lane? Because I'm a guy with a truck. And what happens in that moment is that Debbie will say, you're never going to fit your truck in that spot. Now, see, a couple of you a few moments ago didn't believe that our thoughts and our ways were evil. <laughs> but how many believe me now? Because the instant that she says, you're never going to be able to put that truck in that spot, I say, oh, it's on now, sister. <laughs> we're about to find out. I can tell you that right now. You see, the biblical evidence of our heart being desperately wicked is overwhelming. It was Jeremiah who declared, who can even know our hearts? You see, in the midst of the darkness of our hearts, we no longer are formless and void. When the light shines upon us, the Bible says to us that he will give us a new heart, that he will take this old, darkened heart, and he will put within us a new heart that is given birth by the light of Christ in our life. Although there might be darkness even in some of your hearts this morning, can I tell you what the power of Easter can do for you is to change your darkness and to provide his marvelous light to do a miraculous thing in you forever. The eternal power of Easter this morning. You see, it is Easter that offers us glorious hope. The Easter morning may still have started dark. The tomb might have been darkened to be able to peer and look therein. But again, church, don't forget that daylight was about to break forth. And it would reveal a tomb that was empty. That truly light will overcome the darkness. It was Martin Luther King Jr. that said, Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Listen, I tell you that we are living in a darkened world, but what difference could we make if the light of the church, if the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ would truly shine the message of Easter in our world? Those of you that live in fear, those of you that have kept yourself locked in your home, can I tell you, if we keep light under a bushel, how will the world know the true hope of Jesus Christ and the power of Easter? Can I tell you, he put light inside of you so that we would shine, we would shine, we would shine with the hope of his eternal message in our life. You see... In our enlightened society, we are led to believe that we were simply people of evolution. That somehow millions and billions of years ago that there was somehow a bang out of chaos that created some little atoms or molecules that over the next set of millions and billions of years somehow it found itself onto this planet and these little things became microscopic organisms and then millions of years from that it grew a tail and a few million billion years from there it jumped out of the water and, and then from there grew some legs and then ultimately over these years and billions of years that we have a life form that has started out in such a lesser form that has now magnified it into this enlightened higher life form that we are today. But the truth is if that is the case then there is no soul within us. There is no hope of an afterlife, of why we would gather on an Easter Sunday morning today. We are simply a unique arrangement of matter. There is no inherent dignity or worth in any of us. Some would say that it's based upon us as humanity, as people. That everyone, as long as we are treated equally, that collectively then all of society will benefit and the truth then is that people necessarily no longer have any worth. Only our worth is based on does it, say, 
prepare the, the, the purpose of the state or the society itself. And yet when we have seen nations or people put the sense of the community or the people or the society above the people themselves, some of the most horrific and audacious things have happened towards humanity in all of recorded history. The Hindus will tell you that you only have as much value as wherever you were born on the rank system. Whether you were born into greatness or you were born into absolute slavery, that will be your one and only position in life. Islam tells us that infidels are to be destroyed, that there are only true believers, that they are the ones that only have true worth. But I'm here to tell you today that it is Christ alone who shines in the darkness that is all around us today. And it is him that says that all human life, can I say that again? That all human life has inerrant dignity and worth. That we are all worth something because we have been created in the very image of God, that you were on his mind, that you are the apple of his eye, that you exist today because God was thinking about you and he put his hands on your life. He breathed into your soul and in that moment that light became new and afresh and that we were drawn to him, that we today are worth the son of God enduring the shame of the cross, the stripes that were laid upon his back, the crown that was thrust across his brow, to be found dead in a borrowed tomb, yet to reveal to us that God would stop at nothing to turn our darkness into his marvelous light. Can I tell you, you are not an accident. You are not here by chance. It wasn't over the millions and billions of years of somehow we came into existence. It was because there was a God who loved you. There was a God who was unwelcome to keep you in darkness and to reveal to you and I the light of heaven over your soul today. For those of us that feel that we are still darkened today, it's the story of Easter that has your name written on it today that says, although you might be walking in darkness, let me tell you again today, daylight is about to break into your life and heart again. The resurrection brought the light of the gospel for you and me today. It might be dark, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? Let there be lights. I don't know if any of you have maybe sat in your favorite chair at home, maybe early in the evening reading a book. How many remember what those are? <laughs> I think the story should be where most of us sit looking into our phone or into our iPad, right? But maybe we found ourselves in our favorite room in a comfy chair reading a book in the evening we're really not thinking about anything else. We're just enjoying the moment and reading the scripts. And we're turning page by page. What a wonderful evening. What a wonderful moment it was. And then by seemingly instinct, we turn over and we turn on the light that's next to us. And suddenly, the light fills the room. Instantly, there is a moment within us of recognition when the light shines that we had actually been reading in darkness. Slowly the darkness had set upon us and we began to adjust to it that we hadn't recognized. How many are tracking with me this morning? We hadn't realized how dark it had become until we turned on the lights. You see, when Christ's light shines, it reveals how dark the world is. But it's not just about revelation. I mean, in actuality, how, how awful would that be? I'm not here to give you a, a plethora of facts or some history lesson this morning. No, you see, Jesus calls us. He is calling us today to his light. You see, because he realizes that it is his light that saves us. It is his life that flips the script, 
For those of us that have been walking in darkness and maybe daily drifting, we recognize so slowly, we, we become unfamiliar with how long it has taken place, and then instantly the light of the gospel shines. Jesus comes into our life, and what a radical transformation becomes aware to us today. You see, this is what Jesus fully said. I am the light of the world. But immediately, hang on with me, but immediately he follows it with this statement, with this exhortation. But whoever follows me. You see, it's more than you and I, again, like the Pharisees. It's more than you and I just knowing the story. We see, but we don't really see. We hear, but we don't really see or understand. You see, Jesus was not simply declaring that I am the light of the world, but there was an action that is required to everything that God has done for us through Christ. You see, the Easter story begs a response from you and I. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, but you must follow me. See, let's be honest this morning. It's easier to walk in the light than in the darkness. Can you say yes? Listen, if you can't say yes, how many little toes in the house do we have today that can say yes? You know, I thought about it. We've been in our home now six years, and, and I'm still, as which I'm sure a lot of you, we can still be fairly comfortable in the darkness in our house, but how many know not totally comfortable in the dark? Why? Especially if you're married because you have a wife that likes to rearrange things when you're not fully paying attention. And just the last couple of nights, we've been making the switch from our winter gear to our spring and summer gear. And so we have trunks and different things all through our bedroom and our house. And I went to let the dog out last night late in the darkness, realizing, hey, I've lived in this house six years. I know where everything is, but I didn't know where that trunk was this morning at 3 a.m., you see, we feel that we can be comfortable in the darkness, but we're not really comfortable. We still never know what's hiding around us. That's why Jesus made the claim that I am the light of the world. But it's more than that. It's a challenge. It's a cry. It's a call that we must follow him. You see, here's the crazy thing in our story this morning from John chapter 8. The Pharisees didn't challenge him about being a light. But they were angry because his claim was that he was the only light. You see, they would have been fine if Jesus would have said, hey, there's a lot of ways, right? You can, you can do the evolution thing. You can do the social thing. You can do this, you can do that, you can make it up, you know, you can, but, but I'm, you know, but you can also do, do it my way too, like it's, it's open, like I get it. Kind of we're living in a world today, right? Hey, do it, do, do whatever you do. Like if that's it, like hey, we, we're going we're gonna to respect that, we're going to, like you do you, yeah. You see, listen, they would have had no problem if Jesus said like, hey, there's lots of ways, like if you want the life, but what they went nuts over is when Jesus said, there is no other way but me. There is no other light. I am the light of the world. You see, that's when the end began. You see, you might still struggle today. We recognize that this, this is the power of Easter this morning. I mean, think about it with me today, of all of the messages, of all of the words that have been in our world, today we don't celebrate any other religious leader's resurrection. Hello? There aren't any other buildings, mosques or anything else today that are filled on Resurrection Sunday celebrating the resurrection of their leader. Today we stand alone on the truth that Jesus is who he said he is. Far more than a story, 
but the God of the universe who came down to experience the worst of humanity, to bind it upon himself, to die the death that you and I do not have to die, but only if you and I will choose to what? Follow the light. Maybe for some of you that still struggle today, this might help. I came to this realization this week, and I I just wanted you to recognize it as well today. You see, I want you to know that I know everything about being a husband. Listen, I don't want to just shed some light on it for some of you husbands that are trapped in marital darkness this morning, but I want you to understand that I am the world's greatest husband, and if I may, to tell you I am the brightest shining light of all husbandry, of all that are in the world today. Listen, I also want you to know that if there is anything that I could share with you, I have realized about how I am the best husband in all of the world. Please, guys, you can always listen to me. You can look to me. You can follow me because that's the answer today. I am the world's greatest husband. Now, I know what some of you are probably mumbling under your breath a little bit. Pastor Jim has just lost his mind. Listen, if you haven't said it, Debbie has. (laughs) You see, why can't we say that? Why can't I declare that this morning? I mean, some people would say, Pastor, that's kind of offensive. Like, like, who do you think you are? Like, like even, even as I was kind of saying that, you're like, this doesn't sit very well. Like, like, what is he trying to say? I mean, you can say you're a husband, but hey, come on, let's be honest. You can't say you're the best husband in the world. I mean, you could say about anything, right, whether it was chemistry, child rearing, home repair, Listen, we're not going to accept, right, in our humanity, we're not going to accept anybody who says they're the best, they're the only one, because why? Well, that's foolish. You see, the subject doesn't matter. Just insert whatever into that line. You see, if I claim to be the greatest light on any subject, you would think, rightfully so, I was out of my mind. I hope that puts somewhat into perspective when Jesus stood outside of the temple that day. And while those were promoting a lot of different ways, their way to somehow get to eternity, that Jesus showed up on the scene and said, I, I am the light of the world. I am the brightest light. I am the greatest light. There is no light like me. You see, the only way that you would struggle with that this morning is if you denied Christ. (laughs) Well, he's crazy. But here's where it gets a little bit sticky, my friends. You see, if you believe that, then you better be a follower of him. That if you agree with that statement, then you better be a promoter that Jesus is the only way. And the only way that you can promote that is if you know it. You see, because we've all been hit up by salesmen who just talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. So I know we have a tendency to kind of shoot straight at real life? Is that all right if I do that on Easter Sunday? You see, so we have to be a little bit careful if we believe Jesus is the light of the world. Because Jesus said, if you believe that, then you have to follow me. You see, and this is where our words and our walk have to be in sync. You see, I know a lot of you know about the lights You think about the lights. You can tell the story about the light. But when Jesus starts putting his finger on some of these areas where he says, no, no, I'm sorry, it's not your way, it's 
scripture is my way. Or when we start to read in the story and in the scriptures that it's because we want to do it this way, we want to live this way, but the Bible says, mm, no, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. It only works this way that all of a sudden we're a little unsure. You see, it was Jesus who said simply, in essence, I'm the source of all spiritual and moral truth. It is me who enlightens you to the gospel. It is I who lifts darkness from your heart. I open eyes. I am the only way. I am your only hope. I am the light of the world. And so you need to follow me. Why? Because he is the only light. You see, we still struggle when it gets real. But the truth is, is that even his initial followers struggled as well. Mark chapter 4 tells us that they were out on the sea and a high-powered storm just seemingly sprang up from nowhere kind of cool that when we read that story in the Bible that we have a little mark of identification living here on Lake Erie. Because one of these great lakes of ours, because of its shallower depth, is known, right? That when we get these crazy winds and these storms, how raging Lake Erie can be. How many can attest to that? I've only had two opportunities to be out with a friend going fishing, and we got out on the lake pretty far and all of a sudden, he had a sense. He's a great captain, great fisherman here on the lake. And he got a sense that we might be in trouble. Like within the next hour, things could get pretty rough. And, and I don't go out on the water. I'm not like super scared, but like I don't do it all the time. So, you know, I do kind of my mode is like I just keep my eyes on the captain dude, right? Like if he's not scared, I'm not scared, right? At least I have that in me. If he's scared, I am down on the boat in the fetal position crying for my mommy. And it turned out to be like a really, really bad storm and, and a bad coming in. I mean, you know, three, four foot swells and, and it was pretty terrifying to go through. And in Mark chapter 4, we read of a very similar story. Now, these were all experienced fishermen Right? This is what they did day in and day out. And the Bible says that this violent storm came in. And Jesus was in the boat, but he was sleeping. And here's what the Bible says. The disciples woke Jesus up with this question. Do you not care that we are perishing? You see, I want you to know that as dark as our world is today, there is still a God in heaven. You see, and we might cry out, God, do you not see? Do you not understand? Do you not hear me? Us, much like the disciples, God, do you not care that we are perishing? You know, I thought of this. Isn't it amazing how we call on God when we need him? When we're up against it? But as long as we're good, what? Hey, Jesus, just kind <laughs> of stay in your place, right? Stay in your lane. And Jesus said these three small words. And, you know, the more that I looked at them this week, I, I think that, that we read them in light of all of the, the storm that was around them. But Jesus simply said, peace, be still. And when I read it again today, I think that he was probably addressing things. I think he looked at the disciples and simply said, peace. And then was able to look at the storm and the winds of the waves and simply say, be still. And the, the Bible says that the disciples were amazed that at those words that the wind and the violence and the storm instantly subsided. You see, and I believe that that's what God wants to speak to you and I this morning. Three simple, small words, peace to your heart. It might seem like darkness is overtaking us. There are a lot of people that are 
the little chicken little guy, right, that the sky is falling. And I recognize that our world is getting darker and more difficult all the time. But can I tell you that there is still a light in heaven who promises to be our peace in the midst of the storm and in the darkness of life and whatever is coming against us today to know that he recognizes that he is not apt to have you and I perish but I have come that you might have a life and that you might have it to the full somebody say amen with me this morning Jesus came into this scary dark sin-stained world for us to be our peace By his life and by his death, he has swallowed up darkness. Think about this with me this morning. It's not an accident that a star shone in the night sky at Jesus' birth and the noonday sun was blacked out by his death on the cross. You see, it helps us to recognize that a light was coming And even when our world went dark, the light and the hope of heaven was still with us. You see, Jesus calls to every one of us, follow me. In fact, the wise men found Jesus, how? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have followed it so that we might come to worship him. Why do we desperately need to know that he is our light? Because it is his drawing us to know that it is he that we worship. Easter is not just a celebration, my friend. It is an invitation. Jesus said, whoever follows me, you said it with me a few moments ago, he who follows me will never will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I want to give you this last illustration as I close this morning. If you and I would have been trapped in a big, dark cave, maybe we have been there for days, and we've had to feel our way, realizing that we literally could not see our hand in front of our face. That everything was dark. We would be afraid to take any step forward or to the side, recognizing we don't know what danger exists in front of us. And so we might find an edge of a wall and, and slowly we begin to feel every part of it, every footstep. We might get down on our hands and knees to say, is there going to be some provision for me in this darkness? And maybe as we wrap around what we could feel as an edge or a corner, there in the far distance of what might have been now a brand new underground room in this cave would be a small beam of light. Coming down out of the tops of that cavern after we had spent days in darkness. There would be an instant hunger. Would you agree? There would be an inner desire within us. I have been in darkness, but now I have a new passion. I have a new direction. Is that I must get to the light. That light is my hope. That light is the answer to my life. You see, there would be no benefit if we would stay in the cave in that scary spot and simply just admire the light, appreciate it, honor it, or even point to it. You see, what our life would be directed towards is that I must go day of the week while it was still dark Mary went to the tomb you see I'm so glad that her darkness that our darkness today has been replaced by his glorious light see church our world might be dark there are a lot of questions that we have. I'm so glad we're 
going to enter into our new series next week and this life group's talking about a lot of these questions that we just don't have answers to. How do we navigate this darkness, Pastor Jim, in the world? We navigate by following the light. You see, because even the littlest bit of light permeates darkness. From the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible tells us what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void and what? Darkness covered the earth. But then God said what? Let there be light. And there was light. And God pronounced that the light was good. See, God was helping us to know that we still may walk in a darkened world, but the light of heaven is always out to shine, to give you and I hope today. Church, as I close, I want you to know that whatever darkness you might find yourself in today, whatever fear may be permeating you because of the world around us that has seemingly shifted into absolute chaos, that we are not to be light crushers. We are not to be people of the bushel. Hello? We are to be people of the light. How will they see, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, we are to be a light like on a hill that we would do not take a bushel and cover it, but that we shine the light in darkness. Why? Because even the littlest of light dispels darkness. And although Mary wondered where is Jesus? Where had they taken him? Can I tell you that the grave could not hold him? That the light of heaven must be unleashed, must be let loose for us to know today that he, he is our living hope. The disciples, when they were in fear of everything that was happening on the boat, Jesus simply said, Oh, ye of little faith. And I guess that's my final words for you this morning. You see, I believe the hope of the gospel is this, that no matter what you are going through, however desperate things are in your life today, that God's light can overshadow your darkness. That God's answer is greater than your question. That God's healing, hello, is more than your sickness. And God's closeness is nearer than you could ever imagine. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? So Father, I pray, Lord, over this assembly. I pray over this family this morning. I pray that the hope of the light of the gospel this morning would revolutionize as it did on that first resurrection morning would resurrect our life as well that would cause us not to be light crushers knowing about the Easter story but today we are proclaiming we are followers of the light and the hope of the gospel today Lord I pray for those that might find themselves in darkness that you will provide to them the lights of life. That there be no more darkness. But I pray that the hope of heaven, that Jesus, that Jesus will fill every heart and every life.